The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew. If you're using the Bible underneath your chair, it's on page 761. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 6, we'll start in verse 5 and read through verse 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this morning, um, we are going to be concentrating on the last three verses in that section there. So again, had Meredith read these just to give us the context of verses 11, 12, and 13. This is the the third part in our little three-part sermon series we're just calling... Uh, the missionary need, and we've been talking about the missionary need is to be taught how to pray. Um, So that, as we just experienced a couple of minutes ago, as we begin to just think about how we live and move and breathe in everyday life as everyday disciples, recognizing that we want to live, eat, sleep, breathe, work, uh, resting on the foundation of uh, our Father's love, our Father's care for us, the salvation we find in the Son, and bringing all these things before the Father in prayer. And so if you want to summarize this uh, main idea for these last three verses here, you're going to notice that Jesus transitions into this idea of uh, the Father being fully able and fully willing, fully desiring to meet our needs, to provide for us. And so the main idea for our sermon this morning is this, that the missionary need of God's people is to rely on our Father's provision in prayer. It's to rely on our Father's provision in prayer. And so I'm just going to pray for that right now. And my encouragement would be for you to do the same. Um, The scriptures are very clear that one of the last things Satan, our enemy, wants us to do is to hear the word of God. In John 17, Jesus was praying for us, and he prayed that we might be sanctified by the truth, and then he explained what that truth is. He says, your word is the truth, the word right there in front of you, on your laps, in your phone. So the way we are sanctified, the way we are conformed, the way we grow to be more like Jesus is through the Word. Satan knows this. And so right now, 
He is employing schemes in many of our hearts and minds right now to make sure we just sort of drift out for the next 40 or so minutes so that way if there's one thing that happens, it's this, that we do not receive the word of God planted into our hearts and minds. And so I'm just going to pray for us. My hope is that you'd pray for yourself, but not yourself only, but your Jesus family, to have our hearts opened our minds open to understand what's before us and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to, in a sense, give us like supernatural concentration on the text in front of us so that we can receive these things from the Lord. And then upon being hearers of the word, go out into the next six days and 22 hours as doers of the word. Amen? So let's pray for one another in these ways. Father, we aim to see you magnified. We want the Son, Jesus Christ, to be glorified. And we recognize that you, Holy Spirit, love to do these very things. You love to put the spotlight on Christ and to magnify Christ in our hearts and our minds. So I'm asking you would do this. You are the helper, and we are confessing this right now. We need your help. We need you in our doubts. We need you to help us in our struggles. We need you to help us in our highs. We need you to help us in our lows. We need you to help us see Jesus. We need you to help us understand Jesus and what he's saying in the scriptures right now. We need you to help us against the devil's schemes to pluck the word from our hearts and our minds. So in the name of King Jesus, our resurrected King, the power and the might that are found in Him, we pray in His name, asking that these things would be true. Why? Not so that we can just become smarter concerning the things of Scripture, but so that we might taste and see that Jesus is truly as good as the Scriptures say He is. Lord, give us a tangible felt experience this morning of tasting and seeing the goodness of the gentle and lowly Savior who loves and cares for sufferers and sinners alike. It's in the name of King Jesus I pray these things. Amen. As we ease into these last three verses here in uh, what you could say, I guess, is the, the end of the lesson. We've been calling these sermons in the school of prayer. Teacher Jesus has been teaching us how to pray. And as we ease into his last few lessons, I guess you could say, uh, I think we'll be served by asking these questions to, to posture ourselves and to put ourselves in the place to grasp what Jesus is teaching us here. And I encourage you to hear these questions because the Lord's Prayer is most likely overly familiar for many of us here. You could probably come up here and just quote it verbatim for us. And the, 
ease and the familiarity that we have in these things can sometimes deaden or dull the sharpness of what Jesus is actually saying. And so I think some good questions for us in order to sort of hone the edge, as it were, of what Christ is calling us to here when he says, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us, pray in these ways, is to ask some questions like this. What do you do when you don't know what to do? So you're in a circumstance or a scenario, and it's obvious something needs to be done. But because of the magnitude of the circumstance in front of you, you're like, okay, something needs to be done, but I don't know what to do right now in this moment. What do you do? Same question asked a little bit differently could be this. Where do you go when your circumstance is beyond your control? Anyone ever been in a situation like that before? You're like, this thing in front of me right now, relationally, financially, work-related, family-related, you're like, this circumstance is big, this circumstance is beyond my control, it's obvious that what is needed in this moment, I cannot provide, what do you do in that moment? Or to ask it even another way, when your need in a moment like this is obvious, and it is obvious that you cannot provide what you need in that moment, where on earth can we turn for the provision that we need in those circumstances? For those of you who are sports fans, a few weeks ago, um, NFL fans in particular witnessed real-time answers to questions like these. When Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, went into cardiac arrest in the middle of a football game. We were watching that game, and maybe you saw that running through a play, and then like, he just collapsed on himself, like literally just went right into cardiac arrest after, after being hit in attack, with a tackle. And so there he is on the ground, and while spectators and sportscasters watched as emergency personnel rushed to keep Hamlin alive, viewers witnessed again in real time what happens in the face of obvious need. There were people on that field who immediately began to bend their knee and to pray. They went to pray. Men, grown men, big, strong men, if like moments before that you would have asked them like, do you like even believe God exists? Most of them probably wouldn't. But in the face of need, a circumstance beyond their control, we need provision and we can't provide what we need right now. Prayer. They went straight to Prayer. If you remember two weeks ago, we described and we began this little look at Christ's teachings on how to pray, we described Christian prayer with the language of breathing, if you remember that. We said, just like breathing is necessary to be alive, so prayer is equally necessary to our Christian existence. But we said this, just because something is necessary for life doesn't mean it comes naturally to us. We, we talked about this, but in saying this, that just because something is necessary for life doesn't mean it comes naturally to us, that does not mean prayer never comes naturally to us. Because many of us, I'm positive, have been in both scenarios before, yes? 
or there was a need in front of you, and instead of just sort of breathing out prayer, it was more like gasping. We were sputtering and stuttering. <laughs> like, my soul can't even breathe out prayer right now. Necessary, but not natural, because of maybe the magnitude of the circumstance in front of us. But some of us could get up and testify that I was faced with a circumstance There was something overwhelming. It was obvious that provision of need that I could not provide was the evident need in the moment. And it was big need, prayer. May not have been natural in other moments, but in this particular instance, the natural exhale of your soul was to breathe out prayer. And we caught a glimpse of that during that Buffalo Bills football game as those men bent their knee in prayer. For those players breathing in the obvious need before them, they collectively and corporately breathed out in prayer. And it's this proper knee-jerk reaction to breathe prayer for needed provision that Jesus is dialing into right now in verses 11, 12, and 13 as he models for us, as he answers the question, Jesus, will you, will you shepherd us and show us how to pray? He is showing us right now a proper response to the presence of God, like we learned last week, is to go, breathe out, Lord God, I need provision. I need you to provide I've got needs that only you can meet, and I am bringing those before you in prayer. Jesus is shepherding us, dialing in, and showing us how prayer really can be done. So in the school of prayer, what have we learned? We've learned that prayer begins with longing for God's presence before his provision. That's what we talked about last week. The Father's not some magical genie in the sky. Jesus is showing us, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, I I want more of you. Pray your kingdom come. Father, would you advance your gospel? Your will be done. Sovereign Lord, loving Father, in your care, would you make the way it is in heaven to be the way it is here on earth. These were prayers for God's presence to come, sit, marinate, soak, knowing that if I get nothing today, I've received everything today because I got time in presence with the Lord. But notice Jesus teaches that prayer should not end there. Praise God. Since God is our Father in heaven, and because He loves us with a Father's love, Jesus declares that we, His redeemed, born-again children, have a right to take our needs to our Father and ask for His blessing. This is the beauty of what Jesus is teaching to us, and that's what we see in point number one. We see that in prayer, we rely on our Father's provision. It's true that we seek His presence before provision, but just because that's true doesn't mean we can't come to Him for our needs. It's because we've been able to have access to His presence and come before Him because we've been redeemed by Christ that Jesus says this just leads right into the next natural cry of the heart of the genuine child of God. I've got needs and I need your help. 
So in prayer, we rely on our Father's provision. Notice how Jesus talks in these three verses. Notice the verbs that Jesus is using here. He says, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So there's four sort of actionable things that Jesus is putting in front of us. So if you want to stitch those together and just say, broadly speaking, what does it mean to pray, give, forgive, lead, and deliver? Like, what what does that mean, broadly speaking? Broadly speaking, to pray, give, forgive, lead, deliver, is to wholly lean on our Father's power to provide. It's a confession of the heart, so to speak. Jesus is leading us to say that when we bring our needs, our provisions, that, that that when we bring our needs, asking for His provision for those needs, what we're ultimately doing in the heart is saying, I need you, like in all areas of life. We pray in these ways because we recognize that as God's children, we are truly and ultimately dependent on Him, the Father, and His provision in all things. But more narrowly, if you want to zoom in and begin to see, like, is there a pattern? Is there something we can do? Like, how can I take the model of what Jesus has here and, like, lay it on top of my coffee tomorrow morning when I'm praying to Him? Is there something going on here? And I believe there is. Jesus is teaching us to pray for three things in particular. He's teaching us to pray for our Father's provision for everyday life. So there's provision. He's teaching us to pray for our Father's pardon for our sin. That's the second. And he's teaching us to pray for our Father's protection from the evil one. So he's teaching us to pray for provision, for pardon, and for protection. That's what we see here in these Verses. This is the lesson before us in the school of prayer. So look at verse 11 in your copy of Scripture. Notice what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is teaching us to pray for our Father's provision in everyday life. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a prayer of provision. I have needs. The Father can provide. Father, will you provide needs in these ways? So this is a prayer that recognizes in the very truest sense that our daily physical sustenance ultimately comes from God. Give us this day our daily bread. We need God to provide for us physically. True, we may have plowed the ground, we may have planted the seed, we may have pulled the weeds. True, we may have harvested the wheat, ground the flour, baked the bread. True, we may have worked the overtime, we may have given them 40 plus hours this week. We may have done the extra on-the-job training, we may have gotten up early, we may have gone in and had the extra meeting, we may have gone to the Aldi, we may have gone and stocked our fridge, we may be able to look in our freezer and see all these things because we drove our vehicle to the store, paid the money, bought it, put it in our vehicle, took it back home. Yes, all these things are true. But what we recognize is that above it all, above it all, we recognize that God our Father is the one who provided this daily bread for our physical sustenance. The food that that animal ate in the field when he was out in the field grew because the father grew the grass, provided the wind, provided the rain, provided the sun, caused the earth to spin in its seasons so that it would grow, so that animal could be fed, so that you could buy this, right? So you just keep tracing it back, and what you recognize is this simple truth. He is the one in and above it all providing our daily bread 
for our sustenance. But I think it's also important to see that this idea of daily bread, this, this concept of like, in Jesus' time, for sure, like, right, they couldn't drive to the local Aldi and stock up, right? There was a natural, like, we need you to give us what we need to be physically sustained today. And then you pray that in the morning. Then at night, you go to bed saying, Lord, we need you to provide us our daily bread for tomorrow. So there is definitely that aspect. But I think there's also this aspect of bread being we need certain things in life. We need God to provide the necessities of life. So to pray for daily bread is not just to pray for physical sustenance alone, but it's really praying for everything that's necessary for life, such as a healthy body. That could be daily bread, good weather, a house, a spouse, children, good government, peace, justice, and so much more. These are things we need the Father to provide so that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the breadish things that we need the Father to provide for ultimately here on earth. All these things are good gifts our Father gives, so we ask the Father to provide. So as his children, we pray, give us this day our daily bread daily bread. The word daily emphasizing our day-to-day dependence. It's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, I really need God on Monday, but forget him the next six days. We try to live in this way, but it's usually to our downfall and our demise. Daily bread to recognize I need him daily. To emphasize the word bread, Jesus is emphasizing genuine needs. I think this is really important. Sometimes you'll hear maybe errant teaching on this, give us this day our daily bread, what people will ramrod into this kind of verse, this kind of teaching from Jesus is, if you want it, ask for it, and then you're going to get it. The whole like name it, claim it kind kind of idea to prayer. All of us know the difference between needs and wants, but we can't always distinguish whether this is a want or a need. And so it's interesting that Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Notice Jesus didn't teach us, Father, give us this day our daily triple skinny soy milk decaf latte no foam. You can live without that. You can't live without bread. Bread necessity, your triple skinny soy milk decaf latte no foam is not necessarily a necessity. It's a want Maybe a good want. I don't know. I've got questions about your coffee likes, if that's true, but not necessarily a need. So as much as we might want to pray, Father, give me a lifetime supply of life's luxuries and niceties right now, prayer for daily bread, listen, is prayer for our daily needs, not our daily greeds. We can be greedy. You guys know the difference of what a daily need looks like versus a daily greed. And Jesus is just shepherding us, helping us to see that prayer is not a vehicle for you to try to demand and force the Father in a way to satisfy all your wants and all your greeds. So prayer for our daily needs, not our daily greeds. Why is prayer this It's because even in prayer for our Father's daily provision, notice what we're praying. We are praying, in essence, a hallowed be your name type of prayer. And so that's why Jesus says, come before him with 
his presence first and foremost on your mind because when you're in that heart space, when you're in that head space, that mind attitude space, then what you'll begin to do is like with lenses, you'll put the presence of God and seeking him more. You will look upon your needs that you need provided from the Father through this lens. And what you'll notice is it'll begin to temper how you pray for your needs to the Father. In other words, prayer that sounds like this. Father, your name be glorified. Father, your kingdom advance. Father, your will be done are inseparably linked with prayers of Father. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. They're, they're inseparably linked. You, we must not divorce them. If you go into Proverbs chapter 30, God provides an example of prayer that perfectly combines what Jesus is saying together here. Prayers for provision, Father, we need you to provide, and prayers for God's honor, they, they smush together in this perfect example that you can find in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, where the wise man there prays in this way. He prays like this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. There's his prayer request. There's his petition for, before the Father. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Why? Why are you praying like this, wise man? Here's the reason why. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So do you see how the wise man is praying? He's smushing a need to God. I need daily bread today, but I'm not asking you to give me like an infinite amount forever because I might come to the place where I begin to go, God who? I definitely don't need him because I've got what I need right now in this moment. But I'm also not asking the father to give me nothing because then people might begin to look around and go like, I don't think God cares about him. And he's always talking about the goodness of God and the kindness of God. He's always talking about how he prays to God. But God never gives him anything. And so God is obviously unconcerned. Who wants that kind of God? So he says, Father, for your honor, for the namesake and your glory in the world today, I am asking that you would provide for my daily bread. I'm not asking for poverty. I'm not asking for riches. I don't want your name dishonored. Too much could lead people to think you're unnecessary. Too little could lead others to believe you're unconcerned. Instead, his petition sounds basically like this. Father, I need you to give me what I need for today. I need you to give me what I need for today. And I'm going to come back to you tomorrow. Keep me constantly dependent on you so that every day the way I relate to your provision says you are the sufficient supplier of my needs. Do you see the difference there? That's God's honor smushed together with our need modeled for us right here in the scriptures. So Jesus teaches us to pray for the Father's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. This is how we approach him in prayer with our needs. The second thing is this. He teaches us to pray for our Father's pardon. You see that there in verse 12. You see that in the copy of Scripture there before you? Pray like this. Forgive us our debts. That word forgive as we also have forgiven our debtors. So just as bread is the need of our body, so forgiveness is the need of our soul. Just as our physical tummies need to be satisfied with physical bread, 
You can say your spiritual tummy, your spiritual hunger can only be satisfied in the forgiveness that we find in Christ alone. Again, there is connection to what Jesus has already taught us before in the school of prayer. The reason, listen, the reason we have access to the Father's presence. So think about this. Why do we get to come even into the Father's presence and enjoy his presence? How do you get there? What right do you have to be there? How would you answer that question if someone asked you that? Deltonian, why do you even have the right to go and pray your name, your kingdom, your will to the Father? What right do you have to enter into his presence? How you answer that question reveals what you are standing on by faith. If you're like, I have the right to be here because I'm the best guy that's ever existed and I'm obviously smart, I've got more degrees than Fahrenheit and I'm obviously intelligent and overly handsome and that's why I get to be here before the Father. We're banking our hope of salvation on sand. But if it's like, I have no right to be here. My right to enter into his presence has everything to do with Christ's right to be here applied to my account. I've been adopted into his family by Christ. I am now co-heirs with Christ, my elder brother, because the Father has saved me and drawn me into his kingdom. The reason we have access to the Father's presence is because genuine children of God have had their sin debt forgiven. The punishment our sin debt deserved was paid in full by Christ at the cross. That's why we sing songs like this at Delta. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And that's why we sing, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. After all, Jesus paid it all All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Translation, my debt of sin has been forgiven in Christ. That's why I'm going to him and glorying in his name. When you just take time in prayer and say, Father, Thank you for forgiving me of my debt of sin. You are honoring the name of God. You are honoring his gospel. You're honoring his will in the world. Truly in Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. But yet, here's what we also know to be equally true. Are there any saints truly and soundly saved here this morning that still sin daily? I saw two hands go up. Three. Johnny Klein, way in the back, brother. I see that hand. We're about ready to do something charismatic here. All right? All of us, I'm just going to trust you're raising your hand inside your heart. All right? Yes, I've sinned. I struggle with sinning daily. So here's the deal. We never move beyond our need for daily forgiveness. Right? That's what... This is Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, did you start off your salvation in the Spirit and think like, well, I've got that whole salvation thing finished. I'm just going to go do the rest of the Christian life of my own strength. He says, that's a foolish way to approach this. 
Yes, you needed that first moment of salvation. Then guess what? You need to wake up the next day. You're going to lean on Christ. You're going to glory in the salvation. He's holding you fast. He's holding you fast. It's his pardon. That's what sustains you day by day. So one way to pray for provision that glorifies God is to recognize God has provided the means for your sin debt in that moment you first believed. And that just keeps sustaining you day after day after day after day until you die or King Jesus comes riding back on the clouds. That's the glory of this prayer right here. We never move beyond our need for daily forgiveness. We never move beyond our need to freshly turn our eyes upon Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. We never move beyond our need to be reminded, listen, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Friends, this is pure invitation on the part of Jesus to come and consistently collapse into our Father's pardon. What are you going to do today? In one sense, I hope the answer is I'm going to collapse into the Father's pardon. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. You've got to go to work. You've got to punch your 9 to 5. You've got to hit some keys, write some emails, do some things. But in and above it all, what is my hope for us is that we collapse into the Father's pardon that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? One, because our consistent failings require it. Tomorrow, you are going to sin. Collapse. Don't run. Collapse. Don't go clean yourself up first. Come and collapse. Why? Two, because the Father's eagerness to forgive welcomes us to it. The Father's eagerness to forgive welcomes us to it. Many of us struggle in prayer because our operating assumption is the Father is eager to do this. Fix yourself, then come talk to me. We don't see the Father as eager to care for us in our need image Jesus is giving us is the father like spring-loaded on the edge of his seat ready willing happy and waiting for you to come to him and for him to meet your need when that biblical picture found in the scriptures lays hold of your soul we will come and pray and collapse asking for daily forgiveness. So we pray for our Father's provision. We pray for His pardon. And then lastly, just notice what Jesus does. He calls us to pray for our Father's protection. Pray for our Father's protection. Look at verse 13 there in your Bible. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Lead us, deliver us. Deliver us from evil. Some of your translations might say evil one. So like pardon from past sin. Protection from future sin is found in Jesus. Jesus, you've saved us from past sins, sins we've committed. We're asking you now to lead us, protect us from future sin. I sort of call this prayer a sober prayer. And by that, what I mean is it's a prayer that helps us see our need clearly. The reason why so many of us are sideswiped is because we fail to see that the world in which we live in, according to Ephesians 6, is a spiritual warfare type of world. 
We live in a world where that's why I was praying the way I was praying earlier, if you're just now maybe connecting the dots, is even here gathered together among the saints, the enemy of your soul is raging against you. And this prayer is a sobering prayer. It's because we need to be led and we need to be delivered. In our weakness and vulnerability, we pray to be removed from paths of temptation. Remember what we just read a couple of moments ago back in Psalm 30, verse 8. The wise men prayed, give me neither poverty, do not give me riches. Why, wise man, why did you pray this way? Because he knows that both can lead to temptation. I don't want to be tempted to believe that I don't need God, and I don't want to be tempted to leave others to believe that God doesn't care. I I, I recognize that's a, a possibility, My heart is prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. I don't want to go down that path. Lead me, Father, so I don't wind up in these places. Peter tells us the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Paul tells us that the devil is a schemer. And listen, one way the devil plots for your demise, plots for my demise, is he comes and he baits the hook of temptation so that demise somehow looks delightful. You understand what I'm saying there? Very rarely does Satan come and say, this is for your demise, this thing's going to sink you, I want you to know this, so go ahead and bite into the hook of temptation and completely derail. His scheme is to consistently bait the hook of temptation with, that actually looks sort of delightful. Not recognizing that our demise is buried underneath that delight. There's a reason why temptation is so tempting. Because it's usually like, well, I think I might like that. And then you come and you bite into it. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, wow, there, there was total demise underneath the bait of that portrayed delight. Because we can be fooled in this way, Jesus says, pray to be led to not go there. Pray to be delivered from these schemes. Father, lead us, says Jesus. Don't let us yield to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Father, give us eyes to see and hearts that cling to this promise. No temptation has overtaken us that is not common to man. You, Father, are faithful. You will not let us be tempted beyond our ability, but with the temptation, you, Father, will provide the way of escape so that we might be able to endure it. Pray this way, Jesus says. Pray this way. Pray preemptive strike prayers. Pray proactive prayers. That's what this is. So much of my life, I look back and go, man, I knew the temptation in front of me. I didn't fight well. I wish I would have fill in the blank. But Jesus is saying, know this, schemes are laying out there like landmines. Ask for the leading of the Spirit. Lead, Father, deliver us to navigate the path forward so we're not constantly blowing off our legs on the landmines of temptation. Protect us, please, Father, in these ways. So that's it. That's the school of prayer. The lesson is concluded. Jesus Jesus is done. Teach us to pray. He said, I've taught you how to pray. He says, pray for longing, longing for the Father's presence. Pray, relying on his provision. This is what Jesus taught us. 
In prayer, he taught us that we begin with family speech. And notice that's just exactly how he ends. He ends with family speech. That's just the last point I want you to see this morning. Really quick, notice this. Whether we're praying alone or collectively praying together as a Jesus family, teacher Jesus calls us to remember the needs of others. Did you notice the plurality of it? Give us. Deliver us. Lead us. Forgive us, Jesus says. Because God is our Father, as men and women saved by Jesus, we praise his name together. And because God is our Father, we pray for provision, pardon, and protection together. We pray this for one another. That's what this collective time of prayer is that we're emphasizing in our, in our liturgy. And so that when we move beyond this Sunday and next Sunday and the individual nature to it, the idea is that as we turn into families and daddies or modeling prayer and then friends and family and relationship or turning into different families together. What we're doing is we're modeling before each other. We're caring for one another through prayer. We're, we're showing that we're truly united by the blood of Christ in this thing called the church. We're, we're modeling for one another about how much I need this and, oh, you need this too. Man, isn't it great we are pardoned? Isn't it great that we do have forgiveness? Isn't it great we can find his provision? Isn't it great that he does give us protection? I want this for you, and I want this for you, and I want this for you, and I, you want it for me and it's just this beautiful give and take of how the Jesus family grows in the us-ness of his provision that's the beauty of collective corporate prayer Jesus isn't saying pray vague petitions for vague people yeah somebody out there somewhere probably needs something amen he's saying no gather and look this person right here across the seat in front of me is a real human being who's really been adopted into the family of God in Christ Jesus. They have real needs that we really need the Father to provide for. So we pray with specific prayers. Give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. General prayers spoken generally can deteriorate into just monotonous words that are just like, sort of like drooling out of our mouth. But praying specific needs for specific people can quickly enliven prayer as we minister to one another in prayer. Why? Because when you begin to say, I have a need for this provision, and then I begin to say, I'm going to pray for you in this way, then with specificity, with a narrow bullseye, we begin to say, Father, we're asking you to provide in this specific way. Now, all of a sudden, we can begin to watch God move and work in his world through his people in prayer as we begin to see him meet those specific needs. And it also brings broadens it out. What if someone comes and says, I've lost my job and I don't have anywhere to go. I need a home. I need money. I need food. And we begin to get, pray, Father, will you provide for this person? And so often we think that God is going to send some like magical check in the mail into their mailbox and he will provide for them in this way. And sometimes that's the way it happens. But sometimes it might be this. You go to the work the next day and you find out the boss says, I'm giving you a $2,000 bonus. Where did that come from? Our immediate thought is, we're going to the store, we're going to blow it on ourselves. But what if, because we prayed that prayer corporately, the Father is actually using you to provide the need for that person so we can stand back and go, God did this. But we wouldn't have known that if we were just like, Lord, help those folk out there somewhere, probably, amen. You see what's going on here? 
the specific prayers we get to pray for one another in corporate collective times of prayer when we minister to the souls of others and we're praying for God to save people. What you're going to hear me begin to say next week is we're not going to only talk about the missionary need, we're going to begin to talk about the missionary mindset. We're going to begin to talk about what does it look like to collectively own neighborhoods and what does it look like to collectively evangelize. And when we begin to pray, God, we're going out, God, we're doing this, God, we're trusting you, God. We're in the field. God, we're asking you to harvest people into your kingdom. God, would you save this person, save this household, save this community? And then all of a sudden he begins to do it. It's like, wow, we, we prayed for that in really specific ways, and God did something through that. Instead of, yeah, I guess save somebody in Springfield, I maybe, amen. God, there's a house on this corner in this geographic latitude and longitude, and we're asking that you, the Father, who is the Lord of salvation, would save somebody in that house. Someone is saved, harvested, plucked from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of the beloved Son where they find the forgiveness of their sins, Colossians 1. We prayed for that. And the Father used us as an instrument to see that prayer come to pass. He's really alive. He's really living. He's really listening. He really knows. He really sees. He really answers. I could use more of that in my life. And I'm just going to trust that maybe you could too. And that's why we're leaning and moving forward. The foundation of the missionary need, because when we roll into the missionary mindset, if we try to go out with the missionary mindset, apart from the missionary need of we need God's presence and we need his provision, it is a fool's errand. The greatest mistake anyone in the church can do is to be the people of God, attempting the work of God, apart from the spirit of God, apart from the provision of God, apart from prayer to God. Well, we could whip up a bunch of stuff and say, let's go hit the streets and go do it in our own strength. But Jesus has said, the missionary mindset rides and dies on the missionary need. Depend on me. Lean on me. You're weak, I'm strong. Insufficient, sufficient. Lean on me. I'm about to be really lame and start singing the song, but I won't do that to you. Brady, come on up, man. You want to start doing the lean on me? Maybe Charles, come on. No, Charles shaking his head now. That was too, too real for you. I'm sure you were doing that in the youth group days back in the day. So apologies, didn't mean to trigger any PTSD there or anything like that. So a thousand apologies, brother. That's it, brothers and sisters. That's the missionary need. Jesus is shepherding us. So, how many of us can say, uh, no one has ever taught me how to pray? No hand should go up if you put in the positive. If we can say, have we been taught how to pray? There's a sense and all of our hands should go up because Jesus has just done it for us. Amen? He's very kind. He's very gentle. If you've heard nothing else from me today, would you hear this? Jesus loves sinners and sufferers. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Jesus loves sinners and sufferers. And if you're here this morning, I am suffering and I am sinning. You need to know this. Jesus is not repulsed by you. His heart is spring-loaded to welcome and receive sinners and sufferers. Amen. So my invitation is come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Jesus, come.
Move in power. Move in might. Lord, give us the wisdom to live out our days. (laughs) Give us the wisdom to live out our days. Man, the days are hard. The days are confusing. We need your wisdom. We need to see you clearly. Would you give us eyes to see? Lord, if nothing else is heard today about prayer, so be it. But Lord, would you drive home the truth? You are the friend of sinners. You are the friend of sufferers. You went to the cross to pay the cost so that the sin debt of sinners and sufferers could be paid in full. And that alone shows us the glorious goodness of you as our Savior. So Lord, just magnify this even in the hearts and minds now as we consider what it looks like to respond to you in song and to respond to you in the Lord's Supper. It's in Christ's holy, precious, good, righteous name we pray. Amen.